0: Welcome to the School for Dental Entrepreneurs, the only podcast that provides actionable insights into the dental industry. Brought to you by Emitter, the leading communication platform
1: for your dental practice. And now, here is your host, Anmol Oberoi.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the School for Healthcare Entrepreneurs. Today with us, we have a very, very exciting guest joining on the podcast. We have with us Justin Joy, who's the founder and CEO of Lightwave Dental, a group dental chain with over 40 plus locations in the mid-Atlantic region. Justin, Justin has had a really interesting journey. He comes from an investing background and how he identified an opportunity in the dental world is very interesting. His journey is filled with discovery by talking to customers and innovating. Justin is here to talk about his journey and the advantages of partnering with a group that offers a low-touch, democratic approach to working with its dental partners. Thanks a lot, Justin, for agreeing to be on the show. Yeah, happy to be here. Absolutely. I'm super excited about this one. Um, So just before we jump into the specifics and, and about your journey and your experience, it'd be good to sort of, uh, you know, get a quick introduction from your side and and take a step back and uh, go back to, you know, when you started in the dental world, how did that happen? How did that discovery happen?
1: Yeah. So as you mentioned, you know, I spent about a decade investing in high growth businesses uh, with private equity firms and always had an affinity towards healthcare services, always had an entrepreneurial spark an entrepreneurial itch, whatever you want to call it. And, um, and so I just felt, um, you know, just kind of an inner calling to, to, to leave the comfort of my private equity job and go start something. And I knew it was going to be in healthcare services, but I didn't know exactly what it was going to be. Um, so I, I walked away from my partner role at this private equity firm and, um, and carved out two years of my life where I was going to spend two years finding what I believe to be the best opportunity in healthcare I could find. And um, <clears throat> so as I started that journey, I started looking at a lot of different things, uh, healthcare technology, healthcare services, you know, medical management groups. And then it was just by chance, I had a friend of mine who um, who called me one day and he said, hey, I just played golf with this guy that has uh, 40 dental practices. And he said, do you wanna talk to him? I said, huh group dentistry. Interesting. I said, yeah, I definitely want to talk to him. So I met this dentist and I just, you know, learned about how he built his group and what's going on in the industry. And then I immediately left that appointment and started doing a lot of research. And then I reached out to some, some dentists that I knew. I had one in my neighborhood and he had a few friends and I said, Hey, can I take you guys to lunch once a week? So we started doing these weekly lunches and I'd present the research and they would nod and say, yes, that's true. Yes, that's what's going on in the industry. Yes. That's what we're experiencing. And I started to realize there was this really incredible growth opportunity in building a, a group practice model that was different from existing options. And um, that basically, through those interactions, that became the business plan for Lightwave Dental. Um, so that that's kind of how I got started.
0: That's, that's super interesting. And uh, one thing that reminds me, uh, you know, you spoke about that. You always wanted to do something in business. I think you were very close to founders and and business people while you were at private equity, and and I think uh, like you realized that you know you want to be in business, build a business, uh, and you took that call. But what really stands out for me is that um, even before jumping right in, uh, the most important part is understanding what the customer needs, and 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 the way you've approached it is so customer centric. You said that. Uh, You used to sort of go over to lunch with um, these dentists week on week, do your research and validate the idea and thought behind what you had. So I think that, that really stands out in the approach.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's given me a lot of advantages. And the nice thing was, is I had about, and from that, you know, during that time, I spent about a year full time studying the dental industry and tweaking the business model. Right. And pitching and talking to a lot of people, you know, looking at a lot of dental practices. And so I really had about a year to like fine tune my business model and the approach and how we were going to do this so that when I actually got started, right, the plan was pretty tight and it was, yeah, just like you said, a lot of that really built on, uh, you know, started with high level macro industry research, but then validated all of that with, with yeah, customer interactions, customer in you know, one-on-one customer research and validation, so yeah, you're spot on. That was I attribute a lot of our success to to doing that.
0: Absolutely, and and just a quick question: How many years back is this? Uh, when when you uh, yeah, when so I started.
1: To... Yeah, it was October two thousand fourteen when I said, "Hey, I'm going to carve out two years and go find something in healthcare." It was probably about the uh, summer of two thousand fifteen when I met these dentists and started to become very serious about dentistry, and then. You know, a couple months into that, after kind of digging and digging and seeing this opportunity, I, I focused 100% on dentistry. And so, like I told you, from a, from that point on, for about a year to year and a half, I was 100% full time focused on building this dental group. And and luckily for me, I, I found this incredible group of practices in Virginia. I went nationwide looking at dental practices to get started. You know, looked at the Pacific Northwest, looked in you know the Mountain West region, looked at Texas, Michigan, and then. Again, met these spectacular practices in Virginia who didn't know each other. They were six uh, different practices, practice groups that you know didn't know each other. And I basically approached them all and said, hey, let's build a group, let's start it here. Here's the vision and here's how we're gonna be different. And they were all uh, very excited about it. And so we started it in November, 2016 and we had eight locations at the time, uh, six different practices that I brought together in the same day. Um, Right. And then, from there we've grown to now forty four locations uh, in Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina.
0: Well, well, clearly you've done a lot of flat things to grow this fast um, but but just wanted to understand one thing and and I'm sure the audience also will have this in mind. Um, technically, you started uh, just four years back and you've grown so much. Um, four years back was group dentistry a known uh, you know a known way to do business. Um, did you not think that this is something that already exists and this is the playbook? Or was it always in your mind that, you know, I'm not going to follow that playbook and, and probably there is a way to do things differently?
1: Yeah, I would say um, in, from the years of about 2010 to 2015, I think uh, group dentistry started to grab a lot of headlines when there were some big private equity transactions done. Right. And I remember talking to some, some private equity firms and investors that were under the impression that the dentistry space was already combed over. There'd already been a bunch of, you know, private equity deals in the space. And, you know, it was, you know, not, not a lot of opportunity. And, um, again, I did so much research that I, you know, I knew the facts in this industry. I knew that that was not the case. Right. You know, the biggest dental group in the country at that time was Heartland Dental. This is back 2014, 2015. They probably had, I don't know, 700, 800 offices at the time. Right. And they're the biggest player by far. The top five players all had, you know, 400, 500, you know, 700 offices. And then after that, the the size of the groups falls very fast. Absolutely. And when you, I did the math on it, the top 20 dental groups had like basically one and a half to 2% market share in the dental, all the top 20 combined. Right, it was like three. Per, I think it was two and a half, three percent. I I, I can pull back the exact data, but I was like, wow, like this market is so big, it's very underpenetrated. Right. Um, so that research gave me a lot of confidence that there was tons of opportunity, and plus, a lot of my research was a lot of the existing dentists. Right. These existing groups really didn't have great reputations at the time. That that was whether it was true or not, that was the word on the street among Absolutely. dentists and that there was an opportunity to create something different that would fit their needs much, much better. And that's the opportunity I saw. Wow.
0: Well, that's, that's interesting. And that's a super, I would say customer centric, uh, uh, approach. And when you're close to customers, you can always build new playbooks. So that's, that's exciting. Great. So, you know, you did all of this research, uh, you figured out your own playbook. Um, although, you know, from the outside, it always looks like this market is already uh, is, it may not be, you know, there may not be many opportunities, but you did your research and figured out that just 2% of the market has been captured and it's so underpenetrated. penetrated. Uh, so that's where you started. And and now today you're the founder and CEO of such a large organization. Um, Curious to know, we've not interviewed a lot of CEOs on the podcast, and I'm sure that we have a lot of CEOs who listen to the podcast. So what really is the role of a CEO? What uh, essentially do you do?
1: Well, um it has been in the last four and a half years it has been quite the journey um you know what we really were when we started in November 2016 as i tell a lot of people is we were a startup with cash flow that's what it was i mean i was employee number 1 right on on the payroll on the uh, on the hr information software you know I was employee id number 1 and um and for the first Six months of existence, right? It was a one-man band. I mean, I was I was literally, you know, doing payroll, right? I was, you know, managing contracts. I was recruiting doctors, right? I was doing marketing. I mean, I was just doing everything. It was a one-man band, and so, you know, I had to manage the business and integrate the business while um, flying the plane, and um, and so, in that first year, you kind of did everything right? You were a janitor, you were marketer, your HR, your operations, your finance. Um, and then, um, but I would say that the most important job of a team, but, but that's not sustainable, right? As we all know, right? and that's not going to lead to building a great business. So the most important thing you can do is build a team Absolutely, as a CEO. Um, that really is your number one job is to Build and assemble, A, attract great leaders, B, build a great team, C, establish vision and values, and then D, right, set up the structure, which is metrics, which is playbooks, right, which is uh, standard operating procedures or process, whatever you wanna call that. Uh, And then the systems, right, the technology. So you gotta lay all those pieces and stack them on top of each other. to have a business
0: that can actually grow at a really fast pace. So essentially you did everything on your own. And as the company keeps growing, the role of a CEO, if I understand better and better becomes more about, uh, you know, alignment with your vision and make sure that everybody understands it and helps you you, essentially.
1: You move into the role of architect. Right. Right. You know, in the first year, you're building your house literally by hand by yourself. Um, but as you grow, right, you, you you get closer and closer to the architect, where you're just managing the blueprints, Absolutely. right? And then you hand it over to the construction firm, and they go build it. And that's you know largely where I'm at now as CEO
0: um, with the business. Absolutely, and that's great. That's great, and and that's a great way of putting things. It's funny because uh, I went through this uh, same journey myself. And uh, I always used to think um, that maybe I did something wrong. Why am I doing everything on my own? But, but I guess everybody has to do it in the early days. That is the definition of entrepreneurship,
1: <laughs> in my mind. Absolutely. Right? Got to start somewhere and there's no one to help.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree with you. The way you said it, that, you know, you have to build it. And so there's, there's this saying that you have to, entrepreneurship is about jumping off a cliff and, and building the plane while you're on your way down. So... <laughs> It's very
1: much. Yeah, that, that's very true.
0: Absolutely. Now, again,
1: you know, and in, in I had the advantage of having positive cash flow, right? Which right. is a rare gift for many entrepreneurs, right. you know, but that didn't come for free, right? I brought on investors, right? So there was pressure to build and grow and generate a return on their investment. So I brought in investors and started with a cash flowing business, but, but, uh, but they didn't buy it to see it stay flat, right? They needed to Absolutely. see growth.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Really agree with you. Great. Um, great. I mean, th- there are so many exciting things that's, that, that are coming out of this conversation. Um, like you clearly highlighted that, you know, uh, you took a very different approach to building uh, your group and you innovated along, uh, along the journey by talking to dentists, doing your own research, figuring out things through primary research. Um, so one thing that we've seen by talking to a lot of leaders within DSOs, within group practices is that private practices always have this fear of partnering with groups. Um, There there is always this gray area, right? That is it it valuable or is it not valuable? Uh, And and since you've been so close to customers, hearing their feedback, could you tell us a little bit about how Lightwave essentially looks at partnerships differently from other group DSOs?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, like we said, the, the common fear that most dentists have you know, as I was talking to these dentists that I would take to lunch, um, we, we got to a certain point where, you know, um, I would say to them, Hey, based on all this research we've been discussing over this time, it seems to me that the future of dentistry is in group practice. Would you guys agree or disagree? And the answer was kind of grumble, grumble. Uh, yeah, we reluctantly agree that, yeah, that's, that's true. Right. So Okay. If that's true, then why haven't you joined a group? And their answer was join who Join what? And I said, well, come on, there's exist. There are already groups out there, you know, big ones. Why haven't you joined them? And as we went down name by name among those existing players, um, and I said, why wouldn't you join them? There were really four themes that came out of that. Right. Number one, um, the dentists were just employees. Now, whether that's true or not, that's their impression. That's the impression of the common dentist out there is that if I join one of those big groups, I'm just going to be an employee. I'm going to be taking orders, I'm not going to be in charge of my location anymore. Right. Um, number two, uh, the second piece was, it's not about patient care. It's all about the bottom line. And that's very concerning to me, right? And I don't want to lose that focus on patient care. That's, that's what I do. Right. And that's what you know, gets us going every day. Number three, uh, there's the impression that they're going to change our practice name. And then number four was they're going to change our schedule. You know, they're going to change our culture. And, and the the conclusion of all that was everything I love about my private practice is going to be gone. It's going to turn into a McDonald's or a Jiffy Lube, right? It's, it's this generic, you know, corporate chain. Um, and I like my local, warm, friendly private practice. You know, I like that. I don't want to lose that. Right. And that was the big concern. That's why they would say, yes, I know it's the future, but I'm reluctant to join because of those four reasons. And so that's literally where I started with the business model was I said, okay, well guys, I think this is the best business opportunity I've ever heard of. Let's build a group model that all the doctors are partners. They continue to lead and direct their local, their location. Number two, we're going to keep an extreme focus on patient care and protecting clinical autonomy. Uh, Number three, we're not going to change your names, right? We're going to keep your brand, your private practice in play. And number four, yeah, we're not going to come in and change your schedule, change your culture, right? We're going to partner with really, really high quality practices so that we don't have to change those things, Right. right? We can just give you best practices and tools and resources so you can grow and become even better. And that approach and message, you know, so basically our saying is, hey, we're going to give you the benefits of group dentistry, but preserve the essence, right? The heart and soul of private practice. And for dentists, that's like, ooh, yes, right? That sounds great. Um, And so that is kind of our approach that has been received extremely well. Um, And uh, yeah, so that's, I guess that's how I'd answer that question and how we differentiate it and how we realize right? Our spin and on, on doing this.
0: Wow, well, that's, that's interesting. And uh, I think I completely agree with you with the things that you've just mentioned. Um, even though I'm not a dentist, but I can, from the outside, you know, I can think that probably dentists think this way, right? There is always fear and it's very, it's not just with dentists, it's with any business. You may think that, Hey, if I'm partnering, um, what, what am I going to lose and and not just win, right? Obviously there is something that the other party is also looking for in terms of um, the upside. So I think, yeah, the fears are, are are very true, and it's great that you've been able to think of it very, very differently, letting them sort of keep their brand, their identity, their um, passion uh, intact instead of worrying more about rebranding and and becoming just part of a large corporate.
1: yeah, absolutely. great. so there's there's some other key elements that I'd like to add, you know, which is a lot of the concerns they have is, you know, <clears throat> for many of them, they very carefully tune their insurance mix, right? Which dental insurance plans they're in network or out of network on. Right. They've also adopted a software platform, you know, whether it's Dentrix or Eagle software, open dental, those are the three biggest in the industry. Right. And they have a huge fear of having to join a group and then change software and it causes all this chaos and disruption in their practice. And so, it's one of the great things we can say is when you join our group relative to others, uh, they usually do have to change those two things, which is dramatic change to their patient base and their daily workflow. And when they join us, we say, you don't have to change those things. You don't change your software and you don't have to change your insurance mix. And they're like, really? Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. This is really easy. Yeah, let's do this. Um, so those two things are are um, things that, they, um, that are huge reliefs that are very different than what
0: they hear from other groups. Absolutely. So there's, uh, that essentially reminds me of a very interesting learning that I had along my journey as well as a marketer. A lot of times, uh, businesses make this mistake of thinking that a software can change the world for them or help them grow. It's, it's very rarely that that happens, right? The software is just enabling what you've strategized, what you've thought about, and it just helps you implement that. It can never help you essentially grow. So I think your thought around that is that you keep whatever software you want and, you know, be in network with whatever insurances you're comfortable with. The growth comes because of certain other elements and certain other levers that we need to run instead of just the software. It's not software dependent.
1: Yeah. I mean, there is the saying, right? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink And And that's exactly right. I mean, we do that a lot. I mean, we take a very consultative approach with the practices we work with. So We benchmark them against our other best practices in the group. And, you know, we give them playbooks on how they do that, how they achieve those numbers. And yet it's up to them right on whether they want to do it or not. And so I imagine you're the same thing. You can point them and and to show them what to do and what the impact it's going to have. But if they don't do it, right, there's not much else you can do.
0: Absolutely. Completely agree with you. And, you know, while we're talking about these benefits, which are great, um, uh, the conversation that we had was around, you know, four, four upsides as well, which are very, very specific upsides that we spoke about. Um, could you talk a little bit about that, that, uh, you know, the, 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 retirement, the management, no loan partnership? Yeah. The
1: yeah. So our purpose statement is, you know, we talk about tackling the the big problems in dentistry. And I believe there's really four of them. Okay. Uh, number one is retirement. There is a big retirement problem in the dental industry. Number two, the management burden. Uh, this is also a problem in the manage, in the dental industry. Number three is uh, reimbursements, right? So, being able to negotiate and get better payment rates from dental insurance plans is a big struggle. Absolutely. Um, and then fourth, uh, for you know the the younger dentists in the market, you know as group dentistry becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, they're concerned that they'll never have any partnership opportunities. So those are the four big problems, you know, retirement, management, reimbursements, and partnership. And so we've really focused our business on solving all four of those problems with our business, with Lightwave Dental. So I'll talk quickly about retirement. So the big retirement issue is, um, you know, a quick stat from the ADA. They did a survey of the dentist population in 2006, and they found that about 22% of all dentists that are practicing were over 60 years old. Wow. They renewed that survey in 2012, and their, their 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 study came back that 35% of all dentists were over 60. Wow. And that's amazing when you think about that. 35%, over a third of the industry, is over 60 right now. That's incredible. Right. And um, and and the big reason is, you know, there's a really well-known group out there called the Levin Group, big dental industry consultant, and they shared a stat, you know, several years ago that For every four willing sellers of a dental practice, there's only one young dentist buyer in the market. So three out of every four of those 60 plus dentists don't have an option to sell to another dentist. Like they're just not there. The buyers are not in the market like they used to be. Right. Well, why is that? A big reason is student debt loads. You know, in 1997, the average student uh, debt of a dental graduate was about $84,000. Uh, today that is $250,000, if not higher. Wow. So it skyrocketed and, yeah. and that's average by the way. So you have students graduating from private dental schools with 400, $500,000 in student loans, right. To then go out and take another million plus dollars loan to buy a practice. You know, the banks are are saying, eh, I don't think so. It's still too much debt. You don't have any assets, right. uh, no. And then um, also the dentists themselves are saying, this is just way too much financial risk. You know, it's just too Mm much. Um, So that also, that's kind of creating this retirement gap. And that's Mm -hmm. where group dentistry has really come in to fill that gap. They can buy the practice from the older dentist. and They can employ the younger dentist. Um, So I'd say, you know, that's that's how the group model solves that problem. Mm -hmm. Um, It allows dentists to get their retirement money early Right, and still stay and work at their practice as long as they want. So it's actually pretty financially beneficial um, from that perspective.
0: Yeah, it's created a very uh, positive cycle. I mean, that uh, you know, the ones who are looking to retire can retire, and the younger ones can come in for an opportunity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and the traditional model uh, for a lot of the younger dentists is, you know, go work for a group a group dentist, you know, a DSO for a few years, cut your teeth and then, you know, break out and go on your own. That, that's that's how a lot of dentists think in the market. Um, and that kind of, I'm gonna skip it, skip to that point on my third one is, or our fourth issue is partnership, right. you know? So a lot of dentists just believe, hey, yeah, I mean, you're not gonna stay your whole career at a DSO. You're just an employee. You don't have any financial upside in that. You know, you don't have any leadership or, you know, you can't really own and lead a location and that's every dentist's dream is to only lead a location and be a partner and an owner. And, um, and so we, I recognize that based on my customer research, right? All these dentists I talked to said, Hey, if you really want to have something special, you've got to have a partnership program for those young dentists that join your your group. And so I spent about 18 months in 2018 kind of developing a, a partnership program, uh, here at Lightweight Dental. So we have, uh, three we have three different levels of partnership ownership and then an opportunity for even bigger investment in the organization um, and so we've created more dentists can you know become an owner and share in the cash flow from their office they can invest in stock in the group and get financial upside from from the group the group movement so we've created a legitimate career path for these dentists where they don't have to bounce around the problem is that when they leave when you go out on your own, uh, this leads to, uh, the problem number two, which is the management burden. Right. Um, you know, for decades in dentistry, dentists have been, um, small business owners. So that, that that's, that's their part. They're 30, 40 hours a week as a dentist. And then 20, 30 hours a week as a small business owner right. problem is dental school doesn't teach them anything about running a small business. Right. And so um, a lot of these guys go out and figure it out on their own. And it's very stressful. It's very difficult. It wears them out. It's not what they thought they wanted to do with their career. They wanted to do dentistry and here they are running a business and it's very taxing. And, um, and so it's very stressful too. You know, if you make the wrong moves, you know, you have all this debt over your head. That's a really bad recipe. Um, Absolutely. And so that's where we come in. That's where for a lot of these dentists that have been running their own location for 20 years, it's such a relief when we come in, right? We have HR experts, we have accounting experts, we have marketing experts, right? We have a hygiene coach, you know, we have, you know, dental coaching resources. We have so many things that, that help them make the right moves for the practice. And it just is a huge relief for these dentists to say, oh, now I can just do dentistry 30, 40 hours a week. And I don't have to spend those extra 20, 30 hours a week managing all the business side of it, which is exhausting.
0: Right. Um, yeah. Absolutely, this uh, you know this sort of really this I think these are really excellent benefits. Um, and again, like I remember that you spoke to customers and figured this out. It it sort of uh, helps me draw this analogy that uh, a leader's role essentially for their reportee is to make sure and understand what they're good at. Instead of making them do everything, just make them do what they're good at. What are their strengths? And I think in a way, group dentistry is helping dentists just leverage their strengths. And do what they really like, and and taking care of all the other things which they've not learned, which they were not interested in.
1: Yeah, I mean, if done right, um, it creates tremendous synergies, right, amongst the group. Yeah, you have uh, people specializing in what they do best, and they spread that specialization expertise across a, a, across a wider group of individuals and have a bigger impact. Absolutely. Um, you know, and that's true. And for our dentists too, it creates opportunities for them to even share their dental specialties right we have a dentist who's amazing at implants right he can coach and train others and help them develop and that's that's very attractive for young dentists who want to develop and learn from those who figured some of these things out absolutely so it does create this community where you can cross pollinate and share best practices and that synergy of the group can come can unlock that absolutely you know, by coming together
0: absolutely I, I definitely agree and i think Future of group dentistry is is going to be great uh, for everybody, and 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 we've spoken about so many things. We've spoken about the strategic initiatives, the partnership models, um, the reimbursement management, um, the advantages of partnering with uh, someone like Lightwave. Um, so you know, one thing that I've learned after speaking to so many leaders is that, um, especially during COVID, um, they've seen that the groups and the DSOs have recovered much faster than the private practices. Of course, one of the reasons, like you clearly said, is that groups have dedicated resources to solve all of these problems compared to private practices where they are spending about 20 to 30% of their time figuring out how to run a small business. But uh, could you talk a little bit about the benefits that the practices that work with Lightwave Dental received during COVID?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many times um, I heard from some of our dentists well, you know, once COVID started and hit, and we had all of this amazing change coming at us at lightning speed. Right. I mean, I remember the weekend, right, when we got the news um, that, right, the ADA was recommending that all practices stop elective dental care. Um, you know, that was a crazy moment. You know, we had almost 800 employees, and it was like, what are we going to do with our employees tomorrow? <laughs> this is happening tomorrow. I didn't have months to prepare and craft a plan. Right. You know, we need to make a de- call, a decision like from Friday to Monday on how we were going to pay 800 employees. Right. Were we going to furlough them? Were we going to terminate them? Were we going to keep them on the payroll? You know, what did all this, all this legislation, you know, the cares act and all this business, like, what does this mean for us? Do we have to provide COVID sick leave time and what do we have to do and don't do? And What about these PPP loans? And where are we going to find, uh, you know, PPE? Uh, Sorry, you had PPP loans, and then you had to secure PPE, right? Personal protective equipment. So there were so many issues flying around the room. Right. I could not imagine being a solo practitioner, a dentist on your own, right? Trying to figure all this out. I just couldn't imagine it at all. So you know, luckily for us, we had a team. So we divided and conquered quickly. A team of experts. Right, so my CFO is like, "Hey, I'll tackle PPP loan. I'll research the heck out of this. You know, I'm Hey, like, 'Hey, I'll tackle the, the paid leave and the HR and the benefits issues.' Um, you know, COO took the PPE. Right, so we saw divided and conquered, and we had teams that we leveraged and resourced in this, and lawyers we were consulting with, and just the resources of the group. And um, and the beauty of it was is that we also were very prudent financially, so we had a pretty big cash balance. Right. So you know, we could really quickly message to our docs, hey. Don't worry, right? We've got cash. Right. And immediately we made the decision, we're gonna pay our employees for two weeks. right? We don't know what's going on with unemployment benefits. We don't know what's going on with leave. We don't know when we'll reopen. But you know for us, one of our core values is taking care of our people. Absolutely. And so we said, hey, let's take care of our people. Let's just say, you got two weeks' pay. Don't worry about it. We know the practices are basically closed, right. but everyone's got two weeks' pay done, and we're gonna buy some time to figure all this out. And so for the employees, that was huge right uh, most dental practices in the industry just pulled the plug and sent people home and said sorry yeah. and left the employees out in the wind um you know we did not do that and so you know we quickly figured out right we leveraged in our group size right allowed us to get kind of preferential preferred treatment from the suppliers for ppe so we quickly secured ppe for different resources we quickly figured out uh or the, the loan situation from the government Quickly right. figured out the HR benefits, the leave, the unemployment benefits, and then we were able to tackle everything. And our dentists just kind of sat back, and then we'd come back and we did a call. Gosh, every other day, you know, at least once or twice a week, we'd have calls with all of our dentists saying, "Here's what's going on. Here's where we are. Here's our plan for employees. Here's what you communicate. Here's where the PPE is coming from. Here's what we're doing with the loans. We have enough cash to get through this. Da 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 da. You know, we're dialing back all of our expenses. We're you know turning off credit cards." So our team just went to work and just took care of it. And right. they just were just kind of like, Ooh, wow, yes, this was a huge relief. And a lot of them were just like, wow. And then we took an extra step, actually. So we put together all these materials that we shared with our dentists on how to respond, what we're going to do. And then we had some other practices that hadn't joined yet right? that were interested in joining. And we actually shared with them. We said, hey, you know you're stressed out trying to figure all this stuff out on your own. We're just going to hear here's what we figured out, here's what we're doing with our company, our people, we hope this is helpful to you. Right. And as we did that, um, a couple of those groups that were on the fence about joining Lightwave, that moment when they were in that moment and they could see the power and the strength and the resources of this group model at work, they decided we're joining. <laughs> and so immediately after COVID, you know, we, we all came back up for air, they're like, we're ready. Like, we see it, we get it. Like, we see what this can do and, and how much security this can provide. Absolutely. And so they jump right on board. And I think, again, the employment experience. I mean, there's a lot of dental practices don't offer employee benefits. Right. Right. They don't offer these things for employees. And and the market, the labor market has become constrained in the dental market after COVID. And so, those of us that provide a better employee experience, better benefits, competitive pay you know, we're getting the talent, we need to keep operating at full strength. Whereas I think these smaller practices, they're not. Absolutely. And they're struggling,
0: yeah. Absolutely. And, and a couple of things that you, re, that you highlighted, I think really stand out. One thing that, um, the, the first thing that you said that, uh, what do we do with our practices and debt doctors tomorrow? As soon as the lockdown occurred, I think it's, it's very, I would say, it's a very important message to the private practices to understand the value of groups, um, and and especially someone like Lightwave who understood that, even if things are not opening up, let's provide aid for at least two weeks, uh, and and you know pay them for the next two weeks, because it's 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 I would say it's not easy, but at least you can figure out things when the business is up and running, even if it's not profitable. But how do you plan for something that's not running at all? And, and I think <laughs> that's that's a very tough situation to be in.
1: Yeah, I got to give a lot of credit to our CFO and our finance team. I mean, they went to work very quickly. You know, we put together projections, we measured the impact, we measured our cash flow. You know we knew how long we could survive on our cash. and and uh, we provided great clarity in projections. So you know our team knew that we were in a secure spot as long as this didn't last forever. Um, so
0: absolutely that's interesting. and 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 hopefully, you know private practices would realize um, although Covid has impacted everybody on the negative side, but hopefully private practices will start seeing the upside of partnering. Uh, and I think maybe COVID just made them realize that. And, and hopefully that's better for the industry as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think it has. I think it really has. Absolutely. I think a lot of people see that now.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, since we are speaking about this and, and we're speaking about uh, the advantages that groups like Lightwave have offered to private practices, especially during COVID, do you think that the future of dentistry is within the groups? I know you said initially that your research <laughs> clearly said that the future is moving in that direction. Or, or do you think that both these models will continue to exist with fair share of the market? Uh, what, according to your research, your experience? Uh, yeah. What do you suggest?
1: Yeah, I don't ever think that group dentistry will be hundred percent of the market. Right. Okay. There will always be a big proportion of this market um, that will be, you know, solo practices or, or one to or two locations owned by a dentist by himself. Hmm. You know, you've got a segment of the population. I mean, it's really about the dentist population right and what is the risk appetite among that population um you know 30 40 years ago the risk appetite was big most dentists wanted to go out on their own start their own location be their own small business owner i think that's completely flip-flopped right now most of them don't want to do that they're looking for employment looking to pay off their student loans looking to make solid income have a good lifestyle right and that's the motivation so the risk appetite has changed, so I think it is moving to gonna to be a majority group model, but there'll always be a segment of the dense population that has that entrepreneurial flair, wants to do it on their own, you know, wants to take that financial risk, that business and have that business experience. But I don't think it's a majority of the market. I think it's you know maybe 20, 30% of the market going forward.
0: Wow. And, and just around this thought that, you know maybe not majority of the market will move to this model, um, Do you think we've gone past that inflection point already, where people have started seeing benefits, or we yet to get there? That, um, oh,
1: yeah, I think we are at. Um, I think we're. I think this is the inflection point. I really do. Wow. I think it's happening now. I mean, I remember four years ago when I started. I think they reported that there were fifty, maybe it was somewhere between fifty to eighty private equity-backed dental groups out there in like 2016 when I got started. Right. I just heard a stat that they think there is 180 wow. private equity backed dental groups in the market now. Yeah. So, that's pretty astounding, right? So I think um I think they were guessing that the market share, total market share uh for dental groups was about I think it was somewhere between 13 to 18% kind of fuzzy right. um you know 5 years ago. You know, I think it's probably solidly 20 to 25% right now. So and if you've ever read the book *The Tipping Point*, right? He says that tipping point usually is at about fifteen percent market share, wow. where that tipping point happens. Right? And everybody kind of comes in, and um, and so I think you know I think we're we're kind of running past that moment right now, and that that tipping is is happening right now.
0: Absolutely, um, absolutely. And yeah, interestingly, I was reading an A.D.A. report um, before our conversation, and even that said very clearly that. Uh, uh, maybe not everybody is moving to the DSO model, but uh, the number of groups has gone past. I think if, if I read the number correctly, it was way past 2000 plus groups today.
1: Yes, I believe that. Um, yeah. Yeah. That sounds right to me. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's a 180 private equity backed ones. That, you know, that means there's two to three times that much that are dentists trying to do it on their own. Absolutely. Um, you know, so... Yeah, it does, does, not, does not surprise me.
0: Wow, wow. I'm, I'm curious and excited to see what the future of group dentistry is. And, uh, you know, thanks, thanks a lot for being on the show, Justin. I think I've had a great conversation, personally learned so much from you. And I'm sure that the audience, both private practice owners, as well as DSO leaders, group leaders, will have a lot to uh, sort of learn from what you've just shared. And also, of course, think about the way they've approached different problems. Maybe they want to go back to the whiteboard and think about how they can work closely with customers and solve problems instead of, you know, following playbooks that already exist.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This was great.
0: Great. great. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Justin, for being on the show. And as you know, we want to keep this uh, uh, an evergreen sort of um, podcast and make sure that we keep getting great guests like you who can share really really unique learnings and, and journey. It'd be helpful if you can recommend someone who you really look up to and who we can host on this podcast. Yeah. You know, one person I would recommend, um, is someone who's solving, I think a very
1: unique, um, need in the marketplace is, uh, is a woman by the name of Shannon Pace Brinker. Okay. And she founded a company called the Academy of, uh, a Chairside dental assisting. So she trains dental assistants. This is One of the biggest pain points in the dental industry is, you know, you've got great schools that train great dentists. You've got hygiene schools that train great great hygienists. Well, dental assistants play an absolutely mission-critical role in the dental practice, and there's no training out there. There's no schools. There's no nothing. I mean, most practices are on-the-job training. That's it. And so she's got a really unique business, really unique approach, done some really exciting things that I think should be great for you guys to talk to.
0: Absolutely. Thanks a lot for recommending her and I'll make sure to reach out to her and let her know that we had you on the show. And I'm sure that she will be excited to be a part of the show. Absolutely. Well, great. Thanks a lot, Justin, for being on the show. I enjoyed our conversation and hopefully we can do another show a couple of months down the line to see where Lightwave Dental is going from here. That sounds great.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of Emitters Podcast. Want to learn how you can reduce your new patient missed calls and grow your practice by 40% today? Take a look at emitr.com.